Blockbuster, wall-mounted home phones, stick shift cars, a floppy disk for your computer, CDs for your car, and those yellow pages books that landed on your front porch. All right, did I just date everyone in the room? Do you know what I'm even talking about? You know, it's interesting to think about how quickly we move through technology-based items and services and platforms. And from the large and plastic items to store data to the cloud that's located who knows where, from the physical to the virtual, from the fixed to the fluid. You know, think about it. The rapid change of everything around us sometimes can make your head spin. And it's not all technology. You know, think about the safety we've built into cars that only a few decades ago would have seemed overwhelming. Hey, airbags are good for the passengers too. Crazy. Or take cigarette smoking out of restaurants so we don't all have to inhale it while we're trying to have a nice meal as you weigh the wait time versus sitting in the smoking section. What else do we assume today, good or bad, that could be totally gone a few decades from now? Hi, I'm Katie O, your host for Curious Katie O, and in this podcast, we delve deep into all my curious thoughts, and trust me, they're super random. And if you're like me and you're curious about a thousand different things, I'd love to get to know you, so remember to hit subscribe. It's hard to stop and think about things that took up space in your house, your room, your car, that you wouldn't even think about owning today. I remember my first car that had a CD player. Now, it's not my first car, because that was rocking a tape deck. But I had a car that I could put multiple artists' CDs in, and it rotated them around, and it had six different CDs I could do. And you had to have a CD sorter somewhere in the car, either thrown in the back seat or attached to the back of your visor to store all of your other options so you could trade them out when you got sick of one. And you really had to like an artist or spring for the greatest hits because changing out music constantly was not the easiest thing to do while you were driving. And we didn't have cell phones to keep us distracted, which was good. We had the CD changers. So for every item we've had, others built up around it, right? Think about that. Every item that was created for a moment in time, there are things that build up to accommodate and adjust and provide some service or value. That's the way of things that become dominant or important in our lives. You know, VCRs to record live TVs, that then you could buy that plastic little thing that you could put the VHS tape in, that you could rewind it automatically as opposed to doing it in your actual VCR. Or the DVRs, that was the next evolution, that did it on a digital platform and you could record a certain amount of hours of TV from Blockbuster to Netflix in the mail to streaming. There's always this evolution. And as technology shifted, the storage needs diminished, the stores went away, and you needed to have enough internet capabilities to stream without disruption. But it's hard to let go of some of these old items. You know, in our house, and I will legit tell you this, we still have some VHS tapes and DVDs that sit on a shelf in our basement that I don't know the last time they've been used. So I guess they are like decorations waiting to be antiques and stuff built up around it, the cases, the things to carry it, the other accessories that you needed to have those go with your life, the headphones that you needed for your Walkman. You know, one story I love about this pre-digital age and how we think about things today like going viral versus what happened before we had the technology today 
was the original South Park. So if you're not familiar with the legacy of how that happened, let me share. So I was in college and you started to hear a whisper and then it got louder and louder about this hilarious cartoon that was referred to as Santa versus Jesus. And someone in our dorm got a copy and then another friend and another friend. So what you would do is you would get a blank tape. You would hook up a couple of VHS devices to a television. One of them would play, one of them record, and you got your copy of Santa versus Jesus. And it was like nothing we had ever seen before. It was so inappropriate and it was hilarious in a way that was not like anything else we had seen on TV. You had kids that swore. You had a ripped Jesus who punched out Santa. You had Brian Boitano. Um, and the one kid that blew up at the end where they're like, oh, my God, they killed Kenny, which I didn't know would be kind of a theme for the entire show. So what do we see pop up around this, right? This thing is like the original viral. We saw T-shirts spring up at the college store, like nothing mainstream in the main stores, but kind of those funky underground stores that had cool, weird, different stuff. Then you'd hear they were getting a series on Comedy Central, and you're like, okay, this is going to get, like, corporate. Nobody's going to watch this. And they kept it off the wall, like this, no one is safe. They went after everyone, and it is now in season 26. Like, dang. But that's not the amazing part, even, even though it is. The amazing part is that it was shared across the country on dubbed VHS tapes in dorm rooms, basements, and apartments. And it created the first viral video. See, as old folks from the 90s, we were like, we did, we did cool stuff too. And today, something like that, that was funny and off the wall and crazy, that would go around the world and go virtual in a day. But I'm guessing it's also something that if it wasn't super, super memorable to you or required any effort for you to actually get it, you probably totally forgot about it in a week. And I still remember lines from that South Park video, and I went to watch it again as I was writing this, and it still made me laugh. And so when you think about that, you know, when we think about what's here today and where things evolve from and how we've changed, we've replaced the thoughtful and lasting content for this daily barrage of content we now expect our brains to sort through. And maybe that's why we continue to wrestle with having everything and also wanting peace and quiet or why really good content becomes rare and precious and something that we talk about for years afterwards. You know, when you think about technology or devices, the first iPhones changed the way people think about phones forever, but it was the first cordless phone that actually gave us the idea that you could move and walk away from the wall and a cord and still talk. The freedom that came from mobility started from the cordless phone and then developed and evolved over time. So think about this. Think about things that everybody had in their house if they grew up in the 80s or even the 90s, right? How many people today have like a home phone? It's called a landline, a line attached to the land, right? Super creative. These phones are in about 25% of homes today. And that number like shocked me until I read that only 2% of homes have a landline and no cell phone. So people that are just rocking the landline that do not take a cell phone when they go out, 2%. And it's a number that made way more sense than the 25%. Um, in my lifetime, I saw that being um, the only phone and being, you know, that home phone was everything to being 
abandoned and a relic. And I'm sure you've all seen the videos of kids today getting told to use a rotary phone to try to dial. You know, I remember my grandma had a phone with two letters at the start of her number because you didn't start with seven numbers when you got your first phone number. Like, how insane is that? And I can still remember the phone number I grew up with, but if you asked me my husband's cell phone right now, I would have to look it up. And every time I try to remind him or say, like, was this your number? He always gives me a look because I'm usually off on like three or four numbers. But if you ask me the number I grew up with, I can tell you that number. So what brings about changes that take something that's everywhere and make it disappear? Right. Fashion is an interesting one because that seems to be on this rapidly evolving spin cycle. When we had magazines like Teen Beat or Pop, you know, if you could save up. Um, but the magazine, you know, you read the articles, see what cool celebrities was wearing. You couldn't afford the Jordache jeans, but you could go to Sears and like get the closest that you could find. Um, but, you know, we didn't know any better. There may be cool kids you knew or like movies you saw to show you what was in, but you weren't on you know, it wasn't everywhere. You weren't inundated with it. Um, and today, if I want to see what's cool, I can type what's the style for winter 2024 and hundreds of videos come up with experts telling me what to wear and where to get it and how to make it look good. And I can even narrow that down for professionally dressed office setting women in their mid 40s. What's the style? And so for us, you know, it was this localization of everything that now is this global content virtual experience. And I haven't shopped at a Sears in decades, but I spent a lot of my high school and college years working in one. Um, and I would never consider it a place to buy clothes today. Sorry, Sears. Um, the Sears by us actually is an anchor, was an anchor of our local mall. It closed down and it's now like a temporary Halloween store. Um, when that time of year comes about. So think about that Sears brand. It was a brand that had a legacy, decades of history, virtually gone, replaced with what? Online stores, custom clothing that's mailed to you based on your preference so that you choose online and have a human or a virtual designer. I'm actually not sure which. Um, that sends you outfits and idea cards of how to style them. You know, when you think about the access to everything, if you want to be something that has legacy, you have to continue to add value. And if you don't, you'll go away. There have been things that have changed their value equation, right? That's another big thing that evolves over time. It's like, it might be it's still there, but the math to make it work doesn't make any sense. And so it changes how you think about it. And I remember going to the movies, opening night, you could go on like a Friday night for like $3. And if you got a 10 spot, like from your parents, you could spring for candy. So I'm like a snowcaps person and a caffeinated beverage. So you stayed awake and we saw everything at the theater. So what does a ticket cost now? Okay, first of all, you have to buy online ahead of time. You have to reserve your seats, like you're flying in an airplane for a matinee showing. It's about like 15 bucks, 18 bucks, depending on the theater. And then some movies demand, you know, a theater create like a whole experience. So they have to have a bar, they have to have reclining seats, they have all these other things to try to get you in because of the screens at your home and how those have changed over time. Now, what we saw last summer was experiences that were created like around the Barbie movie um, 
that was more than just paying the money to go. Like people dressed up in pink outfits or Barbie and Ken outfits. You know, you can't really do that at home if you're waiting to watch it on Amazon or Netflix. But my guess is that Avengers 15 or Fast and the Furious 23 just does not draw the the crowds like it used to because you can have a similar experience at home. And I think of Ticketmaster, right? So back in the day, your ticket to see a concert, let's say, I don't know, 25, 30 bucks. Sounds reasonable, right? And then you had the ticket fee, the service fee, the venue fee, the what we sneak in there fee, the fee that's not the fee, and your ticket is like 125 bucks. It's not as reasonable, but that's the reality of where we are right now. And so the ones who control the platforms control the information and control the pricing. They sell your data, your information, your history, your favorite color, what you looked at on the internet last week. Yep. They share that too and sell it to someone who wants to market to you exactly. And there are thousands of those that have popped up and replaced how we purchase things in the past. And you pay for the convenience and then not waiting in line overnight to get a ticket to a concert venue or to see your favorite artist. And we've abdicated our privacy to get there. There were probably MySpace experts and digital media folks that had a function that was like what it was before anybody knew that digital media was a career. Like the MySpace experts, bye, gone. Like nobody knows who they are. And if Facebook wasn't allowed to acquire the way that they did, they'd probably be on the chopping block for a lot of people. You know, Snapchat is a, a, an app that I, I will be honest, I never understood that app or got into it. I think I was too old when it came out. Is that like still a thing? Do people still use it? I don't know. And where TikTok ramped up faster than anything we've seen, it might also fall just as quickly when the next thing comes on. So things like TikTok today is how MySpace felt in its heyday. And so when we think about all these things that move and shift over time, whether it's technology, whether it's other things that we interact with, you know, my last example is going to be a personal one for me that I think has evolved drastically. So for Valentine's Day for my husband one year, um, you know, you might be thinking, oh, did he get you diamonds? Like those will never be obsolete. Um, no. So I'm married to an engineer. So after my engagement and wedding ring, the other diamonds I own, I purchased myself. From an engineer, if you don't know, you get practical gifts no matter the occasion, Valentine's Day, Christmas, birthday, you get gifts that are functional based on a need that you have that he has identified and a gap that he is filling. After this many years, it is actually really nice because I always know whatever he gets me, I'm going to be able to use. So what did he get me this one Valentine's Day? So let's start with an example of what used to happen and what was the pain point that he was trying to solve with his gifts. So if I had to drive somewhere new, you would have to go on MapQuest and you'd punch in the address and you would print out how to get there. And it would give you all the directions. It was usually like several pages. And so you toss it on your passenger seat and like you'd pull it out when you got to certain turns and you were trying to figure it out. Well, I am not good with directions. I get lost all the time. Um, and so what would happen is I would take out my cell phone that had a certain number of minutes and I would call him and this is what it would sound like. I'm going here and I passed a McDonald's. I think I'm lost. Where am I? Now, I can only imagine the face on the other end of that line, that face that had to try to figure out from the random landmarks and buildings and trees and odd shaped markers 
that I communicated where the heck I was and how I was supposed to get from there to where I was actually going. And this happened a lot because I get lost a lot and I still get lost a lot. The difference is the technology change. So one Valentine's Day, I opened a gift for my husband and it is a Garmin, a map that could plug in an address. And when I passed it, the little map would go, hey, idiot, turn around, try it again. You miss the turn and get you back on track. So I had the attachment for my dashboard so I could stick to the window and it was always right there. And I used it like all the time, like every day, because I was one of those people who would still map my route, even if I knew where I was going, just in case. So I used it all the time. Where are they now? Garmin is athletic watches and tracking sensors for bikes now. Why is that? Because we now have maps on our phones and in our cars with things like Apple CarPlay or Google Maps. You know, they're all connected. But the idea was a replacement for MapQuest. It was a way to remove the need to navigate by roads and stars and mileage to following a triangle that tells you where to go. For me, it's been amazing. Um, it's probably a skill that as like a human species, we have lost. And like any muscle, you don't use it a lot when you go away. But that evolution from a physical map, which I know at one time we used to have in our cars, and you turn to the page of wherever you were and try to figure out where you're going, to the printed out directions that sometimes weren't always right, but still required you to be able to read and adapt and see and go to this passive way of getting from A to B with somebody that just tells you how to get there. And I think that's the story of when you see things that come in and out and things that you take for granted today that are gonna be gone, a lot of times they're the evolution of an idea or a concept. And original ideas and first movers, they have what we call early adapters, right? Those are the folks that try out the latest thing. They wait in line for the new iPhone. They jump on every new designer trend. They, you know, test every kind of car. They jump on board early. And if you do marketing or you do sales or business, what you find is when you cross a threshold of about 15 to 20% of people, it becomes a thing that has staying power. And a lot of original ideas you never hear about because they never get traction. And original ideas, you know, stay that way for a period of time until they don't. And if any of you watched the movie uh, about BlackBerry, um, to me, that was awesome because I remember BlackBerry. I remember it coming on the scene. I remember everybody having one. And then I remember they were just gone. Um, and what happened is people came out with something that was smarter, smaller, more convenient, cheaper, better kind of like the computer navigator that's in the device you already carry around or in the vehicle you already drive. And the Garmin mounted technology that told me how to get from A to B became like the BlackBerry phone that totally went away. And so, you know, you think about this concept of all of these different elements and it's played out for generations. Every generation has things that come and go that kind of define their generation. Technology is an easy one to see because technology is always evolving. But I also think that the way that people interact with certain things becomes critical too. So think about like the concept of photography and how that transitioned more in the last few years than our entire history, right? So you used to have, a long time ago, um, exposures that took minutes. So you had to sit still for minutes or else it was all squirrely and, and blurry. 
And then you got to instant exposure. I could snap it and I was all set. I captured an image to a camera in every home, right? When they were just, you know, easy cameras and cheap and you'd put the film in to cameras on your phone. And so what happened, right? You'd have photos that were like portraits, like these family things that you would do maybe once in a lifetime that were hung on the wall, like masterpieces. In college, you know, when you had a roll of film, first of all, you had no clue what was on it. So good luck. You were always surprised, um, both good and bad. Um, but we always got double prints because on the off chance you took an amazing shot, you had two copies and one of your friends could take one if they were in the picture. But you, it was still a mystery as to what was coming out. Then you had Polaroids, right, which you could take a picture and it spit out the picture. And if you waited and blew on it, made it warm, you know, in that moment, somewhat you could know what's in that picture. And it changed the relationship between time and photographs, right? Pol Polaroid really said, in that moment, capture that moment and know in that moment if that's the photo you want. And now we take hundreds and thousands of photos and videos of everything from our random everyday experiences to amazing experiences to food to family and you're me, I take photos of the squirrels that are at the squirrel feeder outside of my window, um, which are only for me. But we now carry these digital libraries that combine lifetimes and generations of what photographers would capture, you know, 150 years ago in a month, in a nanosecond. And so you got to ask, what will become of that journey? What's the future of photography going to look like? Are we going to have some digital play out of every day of your lives? And if you did, who would who would look at that? And by not having it be something that was more rare or more unique, have you changed the entire dynamic of how we think about capturing moments in time? Right. And that's where I think is interesting when you think about some of these evolutions. It's not just about the object. It's about the changing object and what it allows you to do or not do or how it forces you to think differently or how it changes the relationship with something. You know, from Tickle Me Elmo to the George Foreman Grill, from the original Nintendo with Super Mario Brothers, you know, each year around the holidays, you'd have a toy that would become like the thing. And it's the thing for the year. And it's in and out. Like Tickle Me Elmo is not cool right now, I don't think. Um, and knowing that this is a constant movement like waves in the ocean that will never subside, there's always this shift where you're always thinking of what's the new in thing? What's the new cool idea? And if you live long enough, you will witness thousands of these in your lifetime. And with technology, I think it's just made it exponentially faster. And while the idea may stay, right, the idea of I want to be able to talk as I'm walking around and not be attached to the wall that started with a cordless phone that jumped into the phones that we all carry today to who knows what the future will be. Maybe it'll be an implant that you can just think about whatever you want to do and it's right there. There's always going to be changing. And as I started to dig into this idea, you know, it's really what jumped out at me is this idea may stay, but the way we live with it or how we use it could be drastically different in the future. You know, we'll still need to get around, but will we use electric cars or some other form of transportation instead of horses? We still need to store data and we do it in a cloud instead of a floppy disk. We need to talk to people and virtually call instead of talk on the one phone in the house that you share. And then we consume content and entertainment, but you know, if we do it in rapid succession, are we actually absorbing any of it? 
And so what I'd love for you to think about is, is there something you think that is so critical in your life today that in a decade or two you think might poof, be gone? You know, one of the things that I've had some conversations with people recently is the rise of the Stanley Mug. You think those will be there in 10 years? If you do, I'm just going to ask you this one question. How many beanie babies do you have in glass cases on your shelves? Right? It'd be a fun exercise. Like, what is something that you feel like today, if you were to take five minutes and go, there's no way I could live without what? Think about something you use every day or that you touch every day. Um, What it would look like if it evolved or went away or the concept of what it was stayed, but the way that it interacted with you is completely different. You know, to quote Charles Kettering, every time you tear a leaf off the calendar, you present a new place for new ideas and progress. And this world that continues to spin and move will always be changing, always be shifting, with the old becoming new, the new becoming old, until the next thing comes around. So as we get older, I'd love to know what are the things in your life that you think you can't live without? And what would happen if in 10 years that thing didn't exist? Connect with me at curious.kdo at gmail.com. I'd love to know what you think. I'd love to know what item you can't live without. Um, Or connect with me on Instagram at curious underscore kdo. And until next time.